Welcome to another episode of the Clay County Beacon Podcast. Today, I am excited to have with me Steve Hart, who is currently on and running for the Keystone Heights uh, City Council. Uh, Steve, thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, I'm glad to have you. Glad to be here, Josh. Thank you. All right. Tell us a little bit about, you know, who, who is Steve Hart and, and why is he running for City Council? Well, that's a double double barrel question. First, the first question is, who am I? Uh, I am a senior citizen, grew up in the Midwest uh, in a smaller community, uh, went to undergraduate school, got a degree in marketing uh, from Northern Illinois University, which is stuck out in the middle of the cornfield, 60 miles west of Chicago. My upbringing uh, was uh, fairly conservative. I, I view myself as, as being sort of a Midwestern conservative transplant, which in my view is just like a a, a Keystone Heights uh, conservative uh, as far as outlook and so on. Um, as far as, as why am I running, uh, I almost didn't, uh, but there are so many things that are happening in Keystone right now that I think need someone with, with experience. Uh, and the person I'm running against is, is a very nice person. In fact, we're neighbors and we exchange cookies at Christmas time. Uh, my wife and I, but uh, uh, she is she's not conservative and, and she has no experience. And there's just a lot going on. And, and I just felt I, I owed it to the community, not that I'm you know some sort of a savior, but I owed it to, to the community to, to give up three more years of my life. Um, the, the overall view of, of why I'm running is, is because, uh, and this is going to sound a little, little strange, uh, and I don't mean to come across as an egghead, but but if you look at the federal constitution, the Tenth Amendment, Tenth Amendment basically says that the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution uh, are are basically reserved to the states and to the people. Uh, there are several enumerated powers, of course, that the federal government has, but but they're pretty limited, at least in theory. All right, so you've got all these powers that, that are reserved to the people and to the states flowing down to the state of Florida. Uh, in 19, I believe it was 1968 or 1969, there was an amendment to the Florida Constitution which basically granted cities home rule. Before that, cities had to uh, uh, get permission to do things from Tallahassee. Well, the, the tables were turned. The Constitution was amended in Florida. We now have home rule. And with home rule, uh, unless an area of the law has, has been served or uh, taken over by the state government, the cities can exercise the powers. That gives us a lot of power in the sense that we control our own destiny. For example, in zoning, uh, in speed uh, uh, limits, in stop signs, one-way streets, all sorts of things, recreation. Uh, the reason I'm running is, is even though we're a, a, a small pond, uh, we are going to be, I think, an important pond, and I think we already are an important pond in Clay County because of what is going to be happening in the next couple of years. You're, you're probably familiar, Josh, with Black Creek Project. Black Creek Project is essentially bringing water from Black Creek down a pipeline to uh, come into Lake Brooklyn and Lake, uh, Lake Geneva. Uh, and you probably are aware that those lakes are, are known as recharge lakes. That water will then go into these recharge lakes, go down to the aquifer, and basically <clears throat> keep uh, Jacksonville and the northeast part of Florida and parts of Georgia wet uh, with running water. 
that's important. Uh, we also we also have had a major uh, refurbishment of a um, uh, facility on the on the lake, uh, a pavilion that was built at the same time that the hotel, which now doesn't exist, it had a fire, and that has just been totally renovated into a, into a class A meeting place and also a food distribution center in case there's an emergency. That came from the CARES fund to to properly get that beach open and have have it orderly and, and uh, uh, have it be uh, an asset to the community, I think we'll take some some guidance from the city council. So that's another reason that, that I, I'm joining, but uh, rejoining or wanting to rejoin the council. Um, but basically, it's it's. I believe I I have a steady hand. I have a conservative hand, but not a radical hand. And based on my education and experience of basically 32 years of dealing with and representing municipal governments, uh, I think I'm probably the right person at the right time. Not to, to denigrate my opponent, I think she, she with, with some training, would be quite good. She had a fairly responsible position at GRU uh, in, in uh, Gainesville as the utility. Um, and uh, she retired out of that as did her husband. Uh, she is a registered Democrat, uh, and she voted for, uh, for Biden. So we have a pretty clear choice, I think, in this election from that standpoint and also from experience. And I, I don't want to get into the political end of this because this is really an apolitical uh, uh, election. But experience is really what I'm running on and the fact that, that I think this is a time when I think my experience would be helpful for the city. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it sounds like you have a pretty good handle. You've been in Keystone for quite a while, I think since 2005. Um, sounds like you have a pretty good handle on on sort of what's going on in Keystone. So in your mind, what are the biggest challenges that the city of Keystone Heights faces right now? I think the biggest challenge will be orderly growth and management of what I view as being a tourist deluge uh, when the water comes back to the lakes. And, and I don't mean that in a, in a negative way. I, I view that the water coming into the lakes is being ecologically sound, but also going to be very helpful to the city as far as, as, far as our economy. But we're going to have a lot of people, and we're going to have to try to figure out maybe more parking. Uh, we're going to have to try to figure out whether or not we're going to allow food trucks. Uh, there are a myriad of, of things that, that will, will result from the uh, new tourist attraction. And uh, I think proper planning is important. In fact, one of my, one of my stated goals in, in the uh, information I'm handing out as I go door to door is to stress city planning and growth to be ready for the tourism. I think that's very important. And, and uh, probably the most important contribution that I can make to the city. Uh, there are other things I'd like to do, but, but that's, that's the critical one. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so to sort of flip the script on that, what what do you think, what, in your mind, what are some of the things that, that are going well? Like, what are the best parts uh, of Keystone Heights as it stands right now? We have had, a, a, under our, our former city manager and under our current city manager and, and, and with the guidance of the city council, we have done quite a bit over the past few years uh, since I've been on council. Not that I can take credit for them, but I was involved in it. 
One was the uh, the completion or the partial completion of the trailhead. We have a bike trail that, that runs uh, from Lake Butler to Palatka, and we now have a trailhead where people can stop, they can repair their bikes, they can get a drink of water, uh, and that's right on the trail. That's That was important. Second thing is uh, we, we uh, and I mentioned this, the completion of the pavilion renovation. Uh, the Heritage Commission, which which I basically founded, uh, is an arm of the city, and the Heritage Commission has been trying for several years to get grant money from the state uh, as a historic property. Well, the CARES Act, the, the silver lining in the in the uh, in the COVID was the the CARES Act, which went through the money, which went through the county, and we were able to to uh, get around six hundred thousand dollars of that and do a class A renovation of the, of the pavilion. Now very, very nice. It's right on the water. Uh, other things that uh, we've accomplished, uh, we, we are in the process of, of renovating the streets downtown in cooperation with the state of Florida. Uh, the Department of Transportation actually is running the project, but we've had input. For example, these, these street lights, uh, we, we, we have ca- uh, traffic calming devices called bump outs, which essentially makes the, the distance to traverse across the street much shorter and for older people it's, it's, it's a boom uh, for them. Uh, we have yeah, sort of an excitement that's going on in the city uh, just just from things like that but the, the, the major thing is I think circling back to the uh, the Black Creek that is is going to be the, the, the major accomplishment. Not that we had a big hand in it. However, our former uh, city manager, Scott Cornegay, organized a, a symposium involving involving Ted Yoho, involving state officials, uh, Rob Bradley, several other people in our council chambers. And that kind of got the ball rolling uh, for the start of the Black Creek Project. This would have been about five years ago. So those are, those are some of the major things. Uh, what we want to do is we want to maintain the small-town character of the city, uh, and we're, we're uh, confident we can do that. Yeah, sounds like exciting stuff for sure. One of the things that I hear, and, and, and I'll, you know, I'm the first to admit that, that my view on a lot of things is just limited in scope to, you know, my, my handful of interactions with other human beings. But one of the things that seems to pop up frequently when I hear from people in Keystone Heights is two things in particular. Um, There's a lot of people saying that the conditions of the roads in the area, specifically the dirt roads, um, aren't very good. And then the second thing is, is internet access. There's a lot of folks that say that there's just not access to high speed, reliable internet. Um, in your mind, does the city council have any any say or, or sway or responsibility to sort of look at some of those things? Uh, how could the city council, I guess, play a role in in addressing the problems that some people see with the roads and, and internet access in the Keystone area? Well, actually, both of those things specifically would be out of the city's jurisdiction. Uh, as far as I know, every street in the city of Keystone Heights is uh, when I first moved to town, or when we did 15, 16 years ago, several of the streets, including the one that, that, that we lived on, uh, was unpaved. It was what they call down here a dirt road, just a sand road. Uh, but all of, the, all of the streets in the city are paved. Anything outside the city, that would be the county's domain. And occasionally we will, through an interlocal agreement, partner up with the county and do a project. We had a, we had a little sub-street where we did that. 
or at least a portion of it was in the county, and we worked out a deal with the county as to who was going to do what, who was going to pay for what. As far as Internet access, we don't have any control over the actual Internet service that comes in. However, uh, we, we do and we have uh, set up hotspots uh, downtown primarily for business people who didn't have Internet access and, and thought that, we thought that it would be very helpful and good for business. And also there are, there are hotspots right, right at the, uh, the beach uh, where the pavilion is. And there are also device charging uh, devices there as well. So people can come down there uh, with their laptops and whatever and, and get Internet. But as far as the, the channeling the service into the city, uh, that's, that's not part of our jurisdiction. Gotcha. Yep. And I figured I knew that was the case, but I uh, wanted people to hear <laughs> hear that from someone other than me. Because when I tell people that, they look at me perplexed, like, "Well, how could they not have a say?" And I'm like, "Well, you got to understand how how government is divvied up in terms of responsibility in the county." Um, the other well, thing that what, what, yeah, go ahead. Before, before we talk that topic, uh, I think we're a little bit more Catholic with a small C than that. For example, we uh, three or four years ago, um, a gentleman who owns about, I think it's 11 or 12 acres, wanted to put in an RV park, which was in the city. Uh, and we had several people who did not live in the city uh, come to city council meetings and say, hey, this is a bad thing for a bunch of various reasons, white, sound, traffic, and so on. We listened to them. We just didn't, we, we could have said, well, you know, you're not in the city, we don't care, but that's not that's not the way I view it. I view that we have a, an extraterritorial responsibility to be a good citizen. And sure. where I practiced law in, in Wisconsin, they had something called extraterritorial zoning, which anything that was going to be done within a city had to also be approved within a mile and a half of the city limits. Well, we don't have that in Florida. Right. But I like that I like that idea. And if, a, if someone who lives outside of the city uh, wants to come to a city council meeting and uh, say something on the public comment or, you know, not either love something or hate something, we're going to listen to them, yeah, even though they don't vote. Uh, so that's, that's at least my philosophy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think the important takeaway for folks uh, is to realize that it's not that necessarily the city of Keystone Heights doesn't care about the issues that sort of surround it in the, the, the local area. It's just that the, the actual Keystone Heights City Council only has so much jurisdiction to take unilateral action, right? So the driving force that really has the, the is going to have the means and the resources to drive a solution for things like roads that are unpaved outside of the city, internet access outside of the city that, that isn't, you know, uh, up to the standard that most people would, would want is going to be the, you know, the county commissioners. The county commissioners are going to really have to look into that and decide, you know, is that a priority amongst all the other things that they're juggling in terms of management of the county? So, um, yeah, I didn't mean to paint it as though you don't necessarily care about those issues, but uh, but I, I just think it. one of the things I try to help people understand is that, um, you know, like a, a city council person, whether it's Keystone or Orange Park Town Council or Green Cove Springs, they can't just unilaterally go in and fix all the problems because they don't have authority or, or let's just be frank, the funding, right? Like to, to fix everything that needs well, to be fixed, yeah. You know, exactly, but on the other hand, on the other hand, uh, we're not an island down here. Uh, we're not John Dunn or whoever that, that author was in the poet uh, that said no man is an island. That, that is 
totally true, and we we have to operate and we want to operate in the in the milieu with with the county, and we do. For example, I I served three years on uh, the TDC, the Tourist Development Committee, which basically takes the best tax money and spreads it around the communities. Uh, we have a good relation, and, and that way I got to know Tom Sella uh, uh, quite, a, quite a bit, or myself, I'm sorry, and, and the people uh, on the county level, and uh, we, we, we like to have interaction with the county, and I think the county is paying more attention to us now, whereas, you know, 20 years ago, I think the prevailing thought here was, well, shoot, we're, we're down at the tail end of the county, nobody cares about us. I think that's changing, and, and we're encouraging interaction with the county, and we, we attend county ribbon cuttings and sorts things like that. So we're not we're not even though legally we we have jurisdiction within our one square mile, we still pay attention to what's going on the county level, and I think they're paying attention to us. Yeah, I think things are improving there. I think you know there's some ways to go. Um, with some some problems that the folks in Keystone face, but I, I do I do also you know being outside I'm in the Middleburg area so I'm not in Keystone, but it it, it does seem to be that the the city count or the county commissioners are paying a little more uh, attention and, and trying to they're they're they don't have the solutions yet, but it at least seems now like they're looking at it and saying like how can we solve it right? And sometimes that just takes time. And I'm sorry, we were very fortunate to have Gavin Rollins, who, who of course lives in Keystone. Uh, Bethany Condon does as well, uh, and there are representatives of the county. Uh, I know both of them. Uh, in fact, both of them are endorsing it. Um, and uh, it, it, it's nice to have that representative government to, to Green Cove Springs. Uh, and uh, we've been very fortunate to have those people. School board, that's a different issue, but that's way out of our jurisdiction. And even though we pay attention and I think we have a good working relationship with the local local schools, in particular the high school. Um, that's you know it, it, it's it's one big community really. Um, now in my in my materials, you may have noticed that that, that we started the municipal band, city band, a few years ago. There were some suicides in the high school, and uh, the then principal of the high school uh, wanted to have a summer program, and uh, I asked her if. You, if it would be appropriate to start a, a community band, which I did. Uh, and we, we had a number of students, and it's still going on, even though last year, of course, we had to write that off because of COVID. So we practice at the high school. We use their, their materials. The, the, the musical uh, charts that we buy, we then donate to the school. So it, it's kind of a nice symbiotic relationship. And as far as school politics, uh, I try to not get involved in that. Uh, Tina Bullock is a member of the Kiwanis Club, uh, and uh, Tina and I have been friends uh, for, what, 10, 12 years. We've occasionally had a couple of dust-ups, but it's collegial and, and worked out very well. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a community feeling that, that I think we have. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, you know, uh, do, I won't get riled up on on during our time together about the school board, but the school board is the reason that the click yeah, I, can I, exist, I, right? So, but it's good to I, it's I, good I, to I, know I, that. Oh, sorry, Steve. Go ahead. I, 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 I've read. I've gone to your website. I, I sort of I have a glimpse as to perhaps perhaps what you say is, is factual. Yeah. So you know, and, and 
you know, God bless people who have different opinions than me. And, and on this podcast, I've had lots of different folks, but it is nice to see there, there are spots in the county in Green Cove and Orange Park and even certain certain places that aren't necessarily incorporated towns or cities um, where it does, things still do have a community feel. And, and even when people disagree, they can they can sort of cordially agree to disagree and, and you know, work out their differences without right. everything having to be so such a fight all the time. So it's, it's pretty cool to hear you say that. Um, tell me about the Kiwanis Club. I, I see that uh, on the resumes of a lot of politicians. And I'll just admit some ignorance to you, Steve. I have heard that a lot of a lot, the you know, heard of the Kiwanis Club a lot, but I'm not really familiar with what they are and what they do. Can you tell me uh, a little bit about what is the Kiwanis Club? Sure, I'll, I'll get you in my elevator speak. Um, the, the Kiwanis Club is an international organization. It was founded in Detroit, Michigan, about 103 years ago. It, it started out as a, as a lunch club for businessmen, but it very swiftly morphed into more of a public service. That's the club. Uh, organization. Uh, the, the Kiwanis Club in Florida is very, very strong. Uh, the the uh, operation of the Kiwanis Club is, is, is uh, basically a pop-down type of organization, but the local clubs have a lot of autonomy. The main thrust of what we do on the local level is for kids. Uh, we, we plan and run two parades a year, Christmas and Fourth of July. We have a program called Terrific Kids where, where we are involved in giving awards to um, uh, kids uh, one through six or kindergarten through six that are, aren't necessarily the best students or the best athletes, but are, are, are the best as far as, as uh, citizenship. Uh, we, we, have, we have a flag program where we uh, have flags that we place on various buildings downtown. Um, on the 4th of July and other holidays. Uh, we are always contributing money to uh, Lake Area Ministries. One of the ways we do it is we, we host the, the Easter sunrise service at the beach, at the pavilion. Uh, we then pass the hat, and every dime that's collected is turned over to Lake Area Ministries. The last time we did it, which would have been in 2019, uh, we raised, I think, over $2,000 local uh, pantry. That's just kind of a glimpse as to what we do. We also sponsor the, the community band. Uh, we have about, I think at last count, about 35 members. And, and we're, we're working hard. There's always something going on. I do the newsletter uh, and, and try to get the word out to you know, our members and about 95 other people. So what's happening. And I'd be glad to add you to the newsletter uh, list if you'd like. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, it seems like you guys are super active and again, it just points back to, you know, it's really neat to me to see that Keystone still, still, you know, in this day and age has a a very community, community sort of feel to it. Um, another thing that strikes me that, that sticks out to me when I look at your goals on your website, um, is you want to establish a, or set up a splash pad, uh, for kids in the area. Now, or Splash Park, uh, it says here. Um, I, I think one of the coolest things that the city of Green Coast Springs did when they did renovations to the Spring Park uh, pool area was they added a little splash, sort of splash pad. It's not really a full-fledged park, but it is sort of a an area where kids can go and splash around, and there's little fountains that spray water. Tell me a little bit about that. Like, what, what would you want that to look like if you can get that up and running in Keystone? 
It would be probably a hybrid between uh, a splash pad, which would be a small, maybe two or three sprinklers, and, and something that Lake Butler has. I don't know if you've been out to Lake Butler, but they've got a huge uh, splash park. Uh, I We haven't uh, discussed this yet at the council level. Uh, we know that there will be grant monies available for various things like this. My idea for, for the younger kids uh, and for their, their parents and grandparents is that since we don't have a, a swimming pool, it would be to uh, have a, a basically a glorified sprinkler where the kids can run through and, and, and spend a good time. So it's sort of like what we did probably when we were kids when we turned the sprinkler on the backyard, except it'd be a little more elaborate than that. I'd like to see it at the beach. Uh, I'd like to see a, most of our recreation concentrated at the beach, although we do have a secondary a very important park called Sunrise Park where we've got uh, a new pickleball course uh, that we just opened up uh, a couple, three weeks ago. But Splash Pad is basically for smaller kids and, and to give them something to do, and especially if the parents and, and grandparents don't want them swimming in the lake. Uh, and it's a lot cheaper and a lot easier to manage them swimming pool. Yeah, definitely. It's it's a neat idea. I, I love ideas like that because for me, you know, I have a five year old, um, so I look at something like that and I'm like, oh, that'd be pretty cool. I think I'd go check that out. Like, you know, uh, I know we we started going to Spring Park a lot more uh, in Green Cove when they put theirs in. Like during the summers, you know, we're there more often than we would be. So it's pretty neat. Um, so you talk also about establishing a monthly business lunch uh, to meet with business owners in the city. What would be your goal there, uh, you know, to hear their concerns, I guess, and, and sort of get them involved in how you guys want to manage the growth of the county? Tell me tell me a little bit about that. Well, yes, yes, and yes. But one more thing is, is and, and I don't know where this comes from, but there's, there's a, there's a, a, I don't know, an opinion floating around or a rumor or I don't know what you call it, but essentially a feeling on the part of some business owners that we are not responsive, that somehow we are, quote, anti-business, which we are not. In fact, as long as I've been on the council, we, we've always bent over backwards. Uh, if, if someone comes in with a good idea, uh, we can, you know, get creative and, and uh, weigh certain parking requirements. And, uh, in other words, we become goal-oriented along with business owners. The idea of, of this monthly get-together is, is to hear concerns. Uh, and just to let them know that we haven't forgotten about them, and that, that we respect them, and that, that we realize they're a very important part of the community. That's cool. I think that's a good idea. I think, uh, you know, we live in a day and age where everybody wants to argue and fight, and things, you know, just in general can get very contentious. And, and, and I've always found that the more face-to-face conversations you have with people and, and, you know, actual listening to each other, you know, that that's one of the few ways you can really sort of – calm that sort of stuff down and really develop relationships that become effective instead of people just feeling like they're button heads. Right. So it's cool to see. Well, you know, a small, small town rumors start and uh, sunlight is the best cure for that sort of thing. And, and getting together and airing out grievances and saying, Hey, this rumor is not true. For example, uh, there was a rumor floating around town that we were going to be having a, a, a crazy traffic pattern, uh, with as part of the, uh, the, uh, the renovation downtown. Um, and uh, I don't know where that rumor started, but we swell staff and, 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 you know, had, had it come out sooner, we might have swelled sooner. But, you know, it, it's just good to air things like that out in an informal setting. Now, we have to be careful uh, as a council because, uh, and I'm sure you're, you're aware of the Sunshine Law, we can't 
have two or more council people get together uh, and start talking about stuff that we might be voting on as a council, that, that, that's a no-no. That'll end, end you up in jail if it's, if it's really egregious. So with something like this, it would have to be one council person, uh, you know, and maybe we'll do it on a rotation basis, I don't know, or maybe I'll just do it myself. Uh, sitting down and having a cup of coffee at Johnny's and, 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 and talking about, you know, whatever they want to discuss. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's details you got to work out to make sure, you know, you're in compliance with the law for sure. But, but the sunshine laws, we could do, I could do a whole nother show on that. I think it's a great, the intention is good. The purpose is good. I don't know that they are as effective as they could be or, or make sense in, in, in uh, I'm, a, I'm a member of the municipal section of the, of the state bar and every year I, I do the sunshine law ethics of, uh, public meeting law, it basically is seven hours worth of listening to a CD, which I do. Uh, and then a lot of that has been very helpful in what I've been able to do on the council level. And also I'm, I'm chair of the growth uh, management committee and I had to school them as to, because they're, they're, they're non-municipal lawyers, uh, on the Sunshine Law, because the Sunshine Law applies to committees, not only the city itself, the council, but committees of the city and commissions. So it's, it's, it's a major thing. It, it is it is draconian, as you said, that, that the the goal is good, but I th- I think that, that the it's a little bit overweighted in part as far as, as, as control. And I don't like it, but I we have to abide by it. Yep. Now in Wisconsin, the practice we also had their version of the Sunshine Law, but it was not nearly as strict. But uh, it's the law. We have to live with it. And, and frankly, I've gotten used to living with it. And anytime I'm, I'm in the same room with another council person, something comes up, I will either leave the room or I will say, we cannot discuss this. Right. It's sort of strict constructionalist in, in, in uh, viewing the sunshine law. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you've got to, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, you got to deal with the laws. It is, uh, you know, even if you wish it might be a little bit different. Um, so, all right. Last thing I want to talk to you about, um, if you had sort of a blank slate and, and carte blanche to, to craft the future of, of Keystone Heights, what would an ideal future for the city look like according to Steve Hart? It would look like Mayberry with a good traffic pattern. <laughs> and not, I'm not trying to be cute. I, the when I was on the TDC Tourist Development Council, uh, there was an awful lot of discussion uh, about what are people looking for when they come out of come to this area to the county from someplace else, like Buckhead, Atlanta, or or Gainesville, or or Tampa Bay. And overwhelmingly, what people were looking for was recreation. Uh, they, they weren't coming. They were coming to Clay County uh, to shop. Generally, I mean, they, they could, but what they what they were coming here for, and and, and, and staying in hotels and motels, was so that they could go out and recreate, so that they could kayak, so they could bike, and that sort of thing. So, what what my vision of the city is retain the small town character. Uh, we do not want a bunch of uh, you know. We don't want it twisty. Uh, we want to keep it as homey as possible, knowing that all things change uh, and that, that the orderly growth of the city will point in that direction. 
Yeah, I think that's a good, succinct uh, summary. All right, so I'll, I'll give you the last uh, minute or so here, uh, you know, of our, of our time together. Give the listeners, um, you know, hopefully prospective voters in the city of Keystone, uh, your elevator pitch as to why they should vote for you for city council. Well, the elevator pitch is I've got 47 years of experience dealing with city councils, 35 years representing them, and then now seven years on the council here. Um, I have a law degree, not that that's all that hoity-toity, but it does allow me to think in terms of if I have an ordinance put in front of me or a resolution or something, I, I'm going to nitpick it. Uh, and uh, a lot of times uh, the city attorney and I have worked out language in a very collegial way. I will always defer to the city attorney, but I think he, he respects the fact that I, I kind of understand his work product and we can make it happen. Uh, I have drawn ordinances, I've drawn resolutions. I have that kind of experience. I also have experience in the community as far as the, the Kiwanis and other things that I've done. I, I play in the church band. My opponent, I don't want to be negative, but she told me that they don't they don't belong to any particular faith. And I know for a fact that she has never, at least I've never seen her in a city council meeting. So it, it's a combination of experience and and wanting to do the job and feeling that I'm up to it and that this is the time when I think the city can benefit the most from what I have to offer. Cool, man. Um, you know, I'll just say, you know, I appreciate you spending time with me. I feel like this has been a great conversation. You've given me, uh, you know, a lot of things to, to look into and, and, you know, wonder about in the, the city of Keystone that I didn't even know were going on. So for me, you know, selfishly for me, I feel like this was a great conversation, right? So um, I'm just well, throwing your website. I'm going to steal a line from your website. All politics is local. That was Tip O'Neill who said that. And uh, in closing, I would just say all politics really are local. And most of what gets done, at least on the local level, city council does and it's an important function and i'm just pleased to be part of it yep i i totally agree um so folks if you're listening and you're interested in more information uh you can find steve uh a lot of information about steve at uh, vote for stevehart.com and it's vote the number four stevehart.com so look him up if you're interested and uh steve it's been a pleasure thank you josh i've enjoyed it